Welcome back to the sermon podcast from Redlands First United Methodist Church. Today's sermon was recorded Easter Sunday, April 17th, 2022. Having a solid sense of your own identity can be a powerful rudder as we navigate the storms of life. It shapes how we see ourselves relative to those around us and the rest of the world. Identity and how we see the world are also instrumental in making the decisions that become expressions and reflections of how we see ourselves. We hope and pray that our sense of self will be all we need to withstand the human experiences that might otherwise shake our identity. The truth is that loss, illness, pain, poverty, broken relationships, and countless other experiences can often shake that sense of self and cause us to wobble. Sometimes these are passing tremors. However, we also know them to occasionally be tectonic. When faced with this shaky ground, what resources can our faith provide to help us reclaim our sense of balance and identity? The resurrection story from Luke's Gospel expresses an important call and reminder. The strangers at the tomb tell the women to remember. Now, when they're calling the women to remember, this is not simply to recall something that had been forgotten, a fact, a password. The spiritual meaning of remembering is to reclaim a truth and a reality that we had once known. In this sense, when the women who came to the tomb to anoint Jesus for burial are encouraged to remember, they experience an open door to reclaim who they are in relationship to the risen Christ and what they had come to know, believe, and trust. This is the call to allow the transforming grace of God to help them put the pieces of their dismembered life back together. This same call and grace echoes to us through the centuries. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the 11 and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, 
and they did not believe then. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. We are listening. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, for a good number of years before uh, she died, my mother would call me uh, in the morning when I was getting ready to leave for a youth trip. S go to ski with the kids, go to service project, go play broom ball, go do something. And my mother's um, phone call would have a very simple message. Um, wisdom, warning. She'd say, remember, you're not 19 anymore. And, and, and not that I had a reputation for reckless behavior, but I wasn't have known to have broken my fair share of bones doing youth ministry. Uh, nose, finger, arm, okay. No, nothing really major, but still, mom would have called me. Remember, you're not 19 anymore. Did any of you growing up have a, a parent or a, a grandparent that when you went out into the world or went away to college, say, remember who you are? Anybody? Anybody that? No? Okay. It used to be a thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's not anymore. Although maybe it should be. But anyway, but I digress. Um, remembering who you are uh, is important. What happens, though, when you forget who you are? What happens in, in your life, in your experience, when you forget who you are? Anybody ever forget? No, not you. Uh, maybe the folks online, but none of you have ever forgotten who you are, right? You know, when, when you forget who you are, when you lose that basic sense of identity, what shapes your life, your view of the world, your, your interactions with one another, generally speaking, no good can come from it. It's easy to feel cast adrift. It's easy to feel loss. Okay? And particularly in a world where there are plenty of people wandering around the world today that have opinions about your identity and tell you who you should be or how you should be or what you should do other than your family. Okay? And frankly, it's none of their business, but yet there's still this sense that, that they're entitled to an opinion, which of course they are. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, but not everybody is entitled to impose their opinion about your identity on you. And as I said before, no good can come from this. It leads to a great deal of pain and separation and loss. So it, it raises a question then, what, what leads to that? What kinds of things can happen in your life? What impositions does, does the human experience pose upon you where you might forget who you are? Where you might forget that core identity, that anchor that holds you? 
and reminds you of the truths that you know. War, <laughs> pandemic, separation and loss, poverty, addiction, the call from the doctor with that dreaded C word. There are all kinds of things that happen in life that can strip us of that identity, that can separate us, that can lead us to forget who we are. And I can imagine that that was very much in play on that first Sunday morning in the text that Tracy read earlier. The answer to the question, what could have possibly happened that these women would lose their course of faith, that would lose their sense of who they are and who they had been and who they were beginning to see themselves to be? The answer was very simple. They witnessed the violent and torturous death of Jesus. Their friend, their, their teacher, their guide, their mentor, the one who gave them identity when the culture and the world around them told these women that they had no identity, that they were chattel at best, invisible and voiceless at worst. Women whose witness, even later on in the story, was thought to be an idle tale, which is a euphemism for, well, I won't say it. It's not appropriate for church. Worse than an idle tale, you know? Something you scrape off the stable floor, does that help you? Got it. Okay, well, I just want to make sure. I mean, I, didn't want, I don't want to leave you totally hanging. Okay, I don't want to be gross. But, but this is, I mean, so Jesus gives these women a place and an identity that they did not have. And they had been with Jesus. The core of these women had been with Jesus from the very beginning. Luke, Luke's Gospel tells this story and weaves their story together as a part of the, the larger Gospel story in ways that's really easy to miss if you're not paying attention. Early on, when they were still in Galilee, Mary Magdalene, for instance, was healed. She was healed and she came to Jesus. Joanna, Mary, Jesus' mother, and other women who were with Jesus from the very beginning. And the way Luke records it, they bankrolled the enterprise. How's that for new information this morning? The women provided from their own resources to make sure that Jesus' ministry could continue. And they followed Him. They followed Him for three years through Galilee to Jerusalem. They were with Him when He came into the city on Palm Sunday. They were with Him through the week. They were with Him as He was betrayed as he was put on trial in a kangaroo court, as he was tortured and mocked and crucified, they were there with him, witnesses to all of it. When it was over, 
and Jesus' body was taken down, the women were there and they watched them put Jesus in a borrowed tomb. The tomb belonging to Joseph of Arimathea. They were there. They saw it all. And they come to the tomb that morning. They didn't come to worship. They didn't come to proclaim Christ is risen. They came with spices to anoint Him because they knew that He was dead. Because they saw Him die. They watched Him die. They cried as they put Him in the tomb. And they come to the tomb that morning to perform one ass last act of love. One last act of devotion for their friend, for their teacher, for their, for their Lord. After all, dead is dead, right? Or is it? They couldn't possibly have imagined or been prepared for what they would encounter in that morning. These, these strangers in dazzling white clothes turn what was a sad moment into a curious moment, into a terrifying moment, as they encounter these strange visitors and they fall on their knees in abject terror. I mean, after all, that was their culture. When they came face to face with God, terror was the natural response. And they make this cryptic statement. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Remember. Remember what he said. He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you what was going to happen. Remember how he told you that, yes, he would, that he would be in this space and he would get arrested and he would torture and he would die, but then he would rise again. Remember. Remember who you are. Remember what you have known. I, I ran ac across an, an, an interesting thing this week that I mean, it wasn't new information in the sense that it's not something that I've thought about, and it's not even something that I've preached about, but I've never heard it actually asked this way. The opposite of remembering. Opposite of remembering is forgetting. Well, if you were talking about remembering being like remembering your computer password, remembering where you parked your car, then yeah, remembering and forgetting. But in a spiritual sense, and, the, and, and what these strange visitors are telling the women, it, the opposite of remembering isn't forgetting. The opposite of remembering is dismembering. Think about the times in our life where we've experienced death, where we've experienced pain, where we've experienced separation, and our sense of self seems to just break off in chunks and in pieces and maybe just blows away with the wind, and we're left wanting and wondering. When the, when the strangers say, remember, it is an opportunity for them to put the pieces of their life and their faith and their understanding and their identity back together to remember themselves. 
to remember. And, and the, the important thing to, to know on this story is that simple act of remembering flipped something in the women. It was altering, it was empowering, and these women who would have had no place were empowered to go back and say to the rest of the disciples, We've, He's risen. He's risen. It's true. It's all true. He's risen. And yet they, their first response was <laughs> hysterical. No credibility. Hallucination. I mean, fill in the blanks. Except for Peter. Because Peter, no matter how incredible the women's witness was, Peter, something sparked in Peter. Perhaps Peter remembered something. And he got up and he ran to the tomb. Which was more than the others did. Except in John's Gospel. John goes with Peter. But the rest of them sit, locked in the room, locked away for fear. But the interesting thing is, is that Peter didn't quite get to the place where the women were because he goes to the tomb, stone is rolled away, he looks inside, no Jesus, the grave clothes are all wrapped up, you know, folded nice and neatly and sitting there, and he goes, hmm. You can almost hear it 2,000 years later. Hmm. Because Luke says he was amazed. You know, that hmm, like, wow, what just happened? But then he goes home. He goes home until later in the day. There's, Luke does not record that he tells anybody anything in that moment. He's amazed. He goes home. Okay, baby steps. But for the women, this empowered a witness, a strength, a fortitude, a, a, a vision, and a hope that was just the beginning. It would build in the days to come. It would build. It would grow. It would build upon itself. And 2,000 years later, here we are. You see, friends, there's power in this act of remembering. Remembering the things that we know to be true about Christ. Remembering the things that Jesus taught us about God. Remembering these things that are, that are, that are anchors for us. The anchors that can withstand all of the ways that our human experience and the world can bring death and dismemberment. Literally. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. To remember. Remember. And what we remember is actually fairly straightforward. Pretty simple. Remember that God loves you. God loves you. With deep and abiding love that brings life to us. God loves you. God is present with you even now in this moment no matter how dismembered you may feel no matter what this week or what this year or what these two years has done to your heart and spirit God is with you even 
God heals you. God heals you. God restores you. God calls you to be a part of this work. God equips you to do this work. And God is present in all of these ways. Always. Always. Even now, in this moment, no matter what, no matter what, no matter how the world has tried to chip away at your identity, no matter how much damage you've done to yourself inside because of your own fears and your own uncertainties, God is seeking to pour out this grace. Not just seeking to, but is pouring out this grace for you, for me, for all of us to remember that we too might be empowered in the ways that the women were empowered. Empowered to live this promise and to reflect this promise to a world that is being dismembered and broken in so many ways. Every day, we get to be a means of that grace for the world. And friends, it flows all of this the sense of who we are and how God's love is poured out for flows from one simple source. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And because Christ is risen and there is life, and not just life, but vitality that flows from that energy and strength that flows from that, that there is nothing that we cannot do in life, in faith, in ministry, to work reconciliation in a broken world because it is God, it is Christ, it is the Spirit who works through us. Remember, remember, it is because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's try that again. Now that they say, see, I know you were, you were so enthralled. It flows from one simple source, one simple truth, that Christ is risen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope that it has been a source of inspiration and encouragement for your spiritual journey. If you're interested in more information about the church, we would invite you to come to our website at redlandsfirstchurch.org. We hope you will join us in person, online, or via this podcast each week as together we open our lives to the movement of the Holy Spirit 
that we might grow in faith and be strengthened in the ways that we reflect Christ's presence in the world. Thank you.